0: Hi, everyone. This is Eric Martins from the band Mr. Big,
1: the handsome one that stands right in the middle.
0: That's me. And you're listening to Music Mania Podcast.
1: Thank you so much, man. I I love talking about the things that I love, Clint. And for you to allow me to do it with you, uh, I am the Music Mania Podcaster. You are the best. You got We roll tonight to the guitar fight. And for those about to rock, I salute you.
0: You're ready for some screaming heavy metal? Scream for me, Brazil! Scream for me, Brazil! We rock! You are now listening to the Music Mania Podcast brought to you by CD Warehouse in Gladstone, the number one hard rock podcast in the Midwest, featuring hard-hitting interviews with rock's living legends. And now, here's your host, Clint Switzer. This week's Music Mania podcast includes something that's sort of my brainchild, which is an old-school album battle. Alice Cooper's Constrictor versus Raise Your Fist and Yell. It is the ultimate 80s hair metal Alice albums going head-on-head. Uh, you could also throw Trash in there, but Kane um, had very limited involvement on Trash. So we're sticking to these two, but Kane, before we get into that, my friend, you released a solo album back in January of 19 called The New Normal. We live in a new normal now. You were sort of uh, ahead of the ahead of the times, I guess, with that. Great album, I thought. Sydney, I think you'll agree. How's the reception been for the last uh, year and a half on The New Normal?
1: Well, the thing is, you know, what people freak out about is... Um if you look at the cover, the girl's wearing a spiked virus mask. It's called The New Normal, and the first song uh, was beginning of the end. And I was talking to Alyssa, you know, Alyssa White-Glues about it, and she was, like, totally freaked out. She said, did you do this with the virus and everything? I said, no, I, I have no idea. So I'm like an accidental uh, Nostradamus or something. Um, you know, when I make these uh, records, uh, I'm not expecting – you know, a lot of money or sales from them, you know, it's just the way the the nature of the business. And also the fact, you know, you you get, you, as time goes on, unless you're like a Rolling Stones or an Alice or something like that, your viability is going to just in general assume to just sort of, you know, diminish, you know, like when a band is, you know, in their twenties and uh, they're angry young men or angry young women, they're angry about the system. You know, they're angry about, you know, uh, bringing down the man and society and all the wrongs and, and and bad things that are going on in culture. When you pass 50, you're angry because you have a bad back. You know what I mean? So I don't know. I don't know how viable some of the, uh, you know, some of the older bands are. So, you know, uh, I was on um, Frontiers. It was a one record deal. Those guys are great. Uh, Serafino and Mario are absolutely great. But see, these, these companies have a very hard-coded business model. It's not like before, like with Geffen, when I was on Geffen, you know, they go out and they just work the room as hard as they can. This, they have a certain amount of emails they send out, they do a few articles on it, and then that's it. And they hope that their subscription base uh, will respond to the record. Um, you know, Frontiers is very, very 80s. My record isn't very, very 80s, so... Uh, you know, it's just very limited response to it. But you know, the same thing happened to I me mean, with uh, the Saints and Sinners record. You know, it came out right when Nirvana hit, so you know, everybody goes, "Oh, it was an un- underrated record." Well, you know, times change, music changes, and you know, I just enjoy recording the stuff and and having you know whoever listens to it, you know, get into it. So, yeah.
0: Well, I thought it was tremendous, Sydney. I'm sure you'll agree. I, I really loved it. It was, a lot, it was very progressive, I thought. And yeah, it was a, a lot. It was it was heavy. And um, kind of zigged when, I, when I, we thought it might zag. That's a good thing. Um, so getting into uh, where we're at here, this, uh, this album battle, as we start, Alice Cooper, of course, took a three-year hiatus after the release of Dada. Kane, you get involved, what, around 1985? You are co-writing uh, a lot of these songs. Bo Hill produces Constrictor as we get started here. Just talk about kind of your involvement, how you got involved, and sort of the writing process for Constrictor here.
1: Well, well, this, the, the story was a, a publisher sent my stuff to Bob Ezrin. So I, they suddenly contacted me out of the blue. It was, it was kind of a odd phone call, you know, hi, Alice Cooper would like to meet you. You know, so I, I was uh, living in New York and I said, wow, that, that'd be really cool. So I, I go to Chef Gordon's management company uh, in, um, in Manhattan. It's called Alive and, uh, um, you know I walk in there and you know it's just history is everywhere you know Alice and Shep changed culture internationally they changed the world with what they did they, they broke so many uh, barriers and, and 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 you know they, they influenced everybody I think and you know you know they will say that as well not you know some of them are, have passed away but I mean I think they influenced uh, Kiss and, and and David Bowie and bands like that and there's a lot of debate on who did what first but um, so, you know, I walk in there and then, uh, you know, the, one of the things I said before is I had to sit with Ezrin first, you know, so I walk mm. into this big office, there's a big picture window and you can see, um, uh, you can see the skyline of Manhattan, you know, and, and Ezrin's sitting there, you know, in front of the window and his seat is really high and my seat is like a lawn chair. I mean, I like, look I'm like a, one of the, uh, uh, the munchkins, you know, from Wizard of Oz, you know, it's just like a power thing. And he says, "Kane, you're 50% of a great writing team. So I said, all right, well, there you go. I got, now I know who I am. I, so I go in and I meet Alice and everybody. And, and Alice and I became best friends within 10 minutes. It's inexplicable. We both talk about it. We don't understand why. So that's, that was a huge part of it. The other part was, you know, I didn't do any drugs. I didn't do any of that stuff. Alice was coming out of a very rough rehab. So uh, that made me sort of attractive. And then when we started writing, they loved our stuff. So, you know, the rest is kind of history.
0: Well, um, Raise Your Fist in Yale then is released almost a year later to the day, September 5th, 1987. So I've always considered these sister albums. There's 10 tracks on each, which is why it makes for a great comparison here. For a lot of us, me included, This is sort of my indoctrination to Alice Cooper. Uh, I was a kid in the 80s watching Friday the 13th Part 6, Jason Lives, and the music just really stood out. It's really the reason I got into hard rock music. I had to go back, of course, and discover uh, this whole new world of Alice and and the albums before. But Sydney, just kind of talk about how you came about sort of these – were were you more into the the older Alice stuff, or or was this kind of some of your indoctrination into Alice as well, this 80s stuff?
2: Yeah, so primarily for me, I got really big into the 70s stuff first. That's just because what I grew up listening to. So my parents would put on The School's Out and The No More Mr. Nice Guy. You know, that was kind of how I got into Alice. And then um, I took it upon myself to start an Alice obsession. And that, you know, kind of delved into uh, the, the deeper albums and, you know, his entire discography. So uh, I discovered Constrictor and Raise Your Fist and Yell. And I remember when I heard Constrictor, uh, I think I talked about this one, I guess, on the podcast a couple weeks ago, but I had heard He's Back, and it, like, shot to the top five of my favorite Alice, uh, Alice songs. And oh, wow. that yeah. was, like... Just like kind of like a, a life-changing moment when I heard that song. I love that album. Um, I might be a little biased as we continue on with all of this as to what my favorite is. <laughs> I <laughs> yeah. might both be a little bit biased. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, I, I definitely discovered that like in my journey of loving Alice, and um, it's right up there in one of my favorites. Well, you, you know, it's a-
1: interesting, Sydney, because um, the first version of that song uh, went, was very heavy. It was, uh, he crawled out of his hole just rock and roll, you know, and we just got into this heavy guitar stuff and everything. And uh, the record company wanted something that might hit the radio a little easier. So we got the guy who wrote, um, like, a virgin to write with us. And that's complete. You can hear it, like, you know, even that opening keyboard part. You can hear the influence there. So in my approach with the guitar solo was to just do something kind of, you know, slithering in and out of the melody and everything. And and that's how that song sort of evolved. But uh, we, we ended up releasing the other version in the name of a song called Trick Bag, which uh, I think is also on Constrictor. I'm not sure. I think so. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yes, absolutely yep. is. And we're going to get to that. Of course, a lot of people's, uh, you know the unveiling of this new era of Alice Cooper with Kane Roberts, this guy that looks like Rambo on guitar, uh, which is you, Kane, and it, and it happened yeah. on the Nightmare Returns on Halloween night in Detroit, and it was an MTV concert and uh, featured a lot of the songs from the upcoming album. And uh, as we get into it now, we're going to get into the the song by song comparisons. And uh, so, Kane, this will take you back a little bit, and uh, you, we can fill in the gaps on anything that you might. Um, yeah, no, ask me anything. Ask Absolutely. Way. Well, yep. our, our, our first so- two songs that we got to look at here, this is extremely difficult because both both albums have tremendous lead-offs. We have Teenage Frankenstein, uh, to me the definitive song of the Nightmare Returns era. Thunderous yep. opening riff, killer chorus, still played to this day just on last summer's tour and yep. a- featured on the Jason Liv soundtrack, taking on Freedom. A- amazing opening, We the People of the United States, in order to form a more perfect union. And great lyrics. So we'll start with you, Sydney. Teenage Frankenstein versus Freedom. Which song do you have uh, ruling the day here?
2: Um, I'm going to go with Teenage Frankenstein. We're going to <laughs> lead off right with Constrictor. And I think that it's mostly just because, I don't know, it was one of those songs that I heard and it was just like, oh, like I was a teenager and I was listening to it like, oh, like, like a Teenage Frankenstein type thing. Um, it really depends on the day. I love Freedom as well. It's a it's a great, great start to an album, but my heart goes with Teenage Frankenstein. Yeah. Kane,
0: do you have a preference here? What, which, I mean, the, that opening well, reference. You,
1: uh, you know, the, the way I'm looking at it is just from my experience. Okay, so an incredible experience was meeting Alice Cooper. And um, and then suddenly being in the studio with them and writing and everything, so all of that was extremely exciting. But wait, once once we did that first tour as a musician, a professional musician, um, just in terms of my guitar playing, my whole perception of the business, we got out of the studio and we uh, out of the off the tour and we hit the ground running in the studio. And you can really feel it on every song. I mean, Kip Winger and Ken Mary and everybody was just kicking ass, you know. So just as an experience musically, uh, I like freedom a little bit more. But Teenage Frankenstein has has a really sacred place in my heart. But just in terms of the impact and the drive and sort of the thrust uh, of of the music, I would say maybe freedom is a little bit uh, my favorite.
0: Ah, there we go. I'm going to go with Teenage Frankenstein as well. The scene in Jason Lives with the guy driving the the motorhome and Jason Mm -hmm. stabbing him in the head uh, as the song is blaring. That just stands out to me. And Teenage Frankenstein wins for me. Kane, great. I love the perspective there. And uh, raise your fist and yells. uh, Freedom wins the day for for Kane. there. Uh, As we move on, we got uh, Give It Up from Constrictor versus Lock Me Up. See, this is how, what I mean about these albums being sister albums. You have these tremendous opening tracks, and then it gives way to uh, a three-song second track, "Give It Up" versus "Lock Me Up," and they kind of remind me of each other. "Give It Up" as more poppy. Uh, you've got your sugar, you've got your spice, you've got a kitten. Now, isn't that nice, Kane? I don't know if that's a lyric of yours, but I, I absolutely love that. It sounds like yeah, something no, from 80, It yeah. sounds like something from like an eighties beach movie montage scene. The song yeah. does um, "Give It Up," and so. And Lock Me Up, I think, is tremendous. One of the most underrated songs off Raise Your Fist. Sydney, we'll start with you. Give It Up versus Lock Me Up.
2: Um, I think, think for this one, I'm going to have to go with Lock Me Up. And um, I love the, the uh, more 80s stuff, uh, like, on Constrictor. But I do think that this was, like, a little bit more of a, a heavier track. I think Raise Your Fist and Yell is more just a heavier album in terms of, you know, instrumentation and things like that. Um, so I think I would have to go with Lock Me Up on this one.
0: Kane what
1: about you uh you know uh, give, uh, give it up it was very strange uh, they, we actually did a version that uh, bob Casali from devo uh, produced and it was it was um it really sounded like a devo song with alice cooper singing it's just really funny so we ended up doing a different approach and that's the one that you hear uh on the constrictor record um i would have to go with lock me up as well uh, i i think uh you know, I really like my guitar solo on that. It's all about me. No, no, kidding. Yeah, and, and, and and also the experience of writing it. I mean, Alice, you know, his lyrics just pour out of him. You know, he's one of those guys. If you catch him uh, on the right moment, the lyrics are going to be amazing. So, uh, this was one of those for me. That that one, and I know you're going to talk about it later. But Prince of Darkness was it was a real eye opener in terms of his uh, blinding skills. So.
0: Absolutely. Um, I agree with you guys. Lock Me Up. Uh, It's very anthemic. It's a dashboard banger. Uh, As an intro, I love that. Uh, Chorus is great. Uh, You're right, solo. I don't know who played on that, but it was a great solo. Kane, Mm. uh, it was you, uh, and it was tremendous. So yeah, I'm going to go with Lock Me Up as well. Really underrated song from there. So that brings us to Thrill My Gorilla versus mm-hmm. Give the Radio Back. Um, mm-hmm. Throw My Gorilla is certainly a bit on the cheesy side lyrically. Um, where were you when the monkey hit the fan, right? That was, yeah, good
1: lyric- that was
0: Alice, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Alice has always had this like tongue-in-cheek sense of humor dating all the way back, so it yeah. makes sense. Yeah. Um, I never this, this song never quite did it for me. It was always kind of like more of a filler track. Sydney, starting with you, do you have a, a preference here, Throw My Gorilla versus Give the Radio Back? Um,
2: it's really hard because part of me wants to go with Throw My Gorilla just because of, of what it is. It's just, <laughs> <laughs> the songs, I remember I heard it and I was like, this is so, it's so 80s and cheesy, but it's so damn good. Um, but I really do love Give the Radio Back. I think between the two, if I had to pick one, I'd probably go with Give the Radio Back. But I do have to say that a part of my heart definitely holds Throw My Gorilla very dear.
0: <laughs> Kane, what about you? You yeah, know, it's interesting.
1: Both of those songs seem to hold the same slot in terms of significance on the record. I mean, I know what you mean about filler. Um, you know, we it certainly wasn't our intention going into it. Uh, we thought, you know, you know, the the sort of humorous aspect that's in both of them. Um, I, I, I think uh, give the radio back for me as well. Yeah.
0: Well, Kane, this is so far a clean sweep for you. You've got uh, the first three songs. From Raise Your Fist uh, are winning out for you. I, I I do agree. I'm gonna go with um with Give the Radio Back here. I think it's a really underrated song. It's I like the heaviness. It's it's more of a heavy track. Uh, great chorus. Give the radio, give the radio yeah. back to the maniac. I did that. You know,
1: it's great. Style. You know, and at that point, you know, Bo Hill, um, we he was sort of discovering Alice's ability. So um you know, during uh, uh, Thrill My Gorilla. And then when we got to, when we hit Michael Wagner, um, he, his one of his specialties is vocals. And you can hear near the end of that song, uh, Alice is really doing some crazy yelling and stuff like that. It was amazing. It reminded me of uh, Public Animal Number 9, you know. So I think that's one of the reasons why I think Alice's performance on it is is pretty off the chain. So I, I think that's why I, I agree with you guys.
0: And not only that, but like the guitar just soars over the top of this. And you've I always like solos where the solo like plays over the ri- a rhythm part, and that hap- mm. that's, happens here. And I love that. Kind of and it um, floats over it a little bit. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. That yeah. is, that's, oh, that's always a good recipe to me. It so.
1: depends on the drug that I was on at that time. <laughs> so, yeah, I
0: can't
1: remember, uh, yeah, no, I'm joking.
0: I'm no joking. judgment. Um, yeah, so right. That, <laughs> that brings us to life and death of the party. What's mm, Step mm, On You, I, I always mm. thought Life and Death had a memorable intro and it goes kind of mid-tempo. Uh, great vocals on, on Life and Death. and um, Absolutely, and, yeah. And Step On You has a monster intro too, though. Sydney, you're going to have to sort of, you know, figure this out because I, I'm still kind of torn. Yeah, I'm kind of torn yeah, here, Sydney. Uh, I'm going to go
2: with Life and Death of the Party because I the um, the chorus of that song gets stuck in my head when I haven't heard it for Months. I I'll wake up the day, I'll be like, "Life and <laughs> the Bar." And yeah, yeah. Um, and like uh, the Bridge to That" one is also like just super memorable, super catchy. Um, just that entire song is probably one of my favorites off of Constrictor. Um, so definitely a tough choice, but I have to go with "Life and Death."
1: Yeah, I I agree with Sydney. Um, the uh, Alice's performance, the melodies and stuff. It, it's it's very atmospheric, very moody very kind of kind of a perfect deal in terms it was the best thing alice and i have both talked about this alice it's tough to pin dallas alice down and say what is it that what's your favorite he's not that type of a guy but he thinks uh life and death is one of one of the the best songs off of constrictor as well Mm -hmm. uh step on you um the guitar solo i did uh with a i had a silver dollar and i I uh, detuned uh, my low E string way, way down. So it was just hanging there. So if you listen to it, what I was trying to do was create kind of this rusted old Rob uh, robot, you know, stepping on everybody and everything. So, you know, that I love that aspect of it. I love the creativity of, of Step on You, but um, Life and Death is a better song to me too, yeah.
0: Yeah, um, I, I I agree. I've got life and death um, on this one. If, if, I I agree with Sydney that there's something about I I'll just start singing that chorus at <laughs> times, and I don't really know why. Um, you can ask some people. Well, you that, know, I,
1: Alice singing, uh, he just came up with it. Yeah. I, uh, yeah. Uh, you're the life and the death of the party. You've got my heart right by the throat, you know. It's I just so thought,
2: catchy. amazing. She so just gets you. Like, from the very first time I heard that, it was just like, I don't even need to hear it more than like one time to, which is what you want from a song. Yes.
1: Like, right? Sure. Like, sure. Like,
0: yeah. Exactly. And,
2: and, and not th- have to think too much about singing along or whatever, you know?
1: Yep.
0: You're right. And I, you know, so I'm my vote's life and death, but the, the argument I would make for step on you that I, my favorite part is that, that uh, the second verse adds an extra guitar part. Sure. And that's awesome again. So I guess I'm, I delve into these guitar parts here, Kane, because you were such an integral part of the, of the band at this time. And I love. Yeah. Well, we we wanted to
1: break out of the normal pattern of of the songs, you know, and Alice was open to that. So, so it was really good.
0: Well, that brings us to simple disobedience versus not that kind of love. Um, Mm. I'd say these are two songs that are both pretty unheralded. You don't, uh, you know, these are not songs that get played live and and haven't since this era. So, this is kind of, um, you know, kind of a, a gray area here when it comes to, to these songs as we get to this point in the album. Sydney, we'll start with you. Which one did you go with here?
2: Um, I'm going to go with Simple Disobedience. Um, I think it's just for Constrictor. Uh, obviously, like we said, Constrictor was, had more of a little bit of like a synth vibe to it. You know, was a little bit on a, I don't want to say maybe poppy. It's a little bit too too much of a word but you know it's on that side of the the 80s and whatnot the 80s metal um but simple disobedience is always one song i feel like off of that record that was very like you know in your face kind of heavier for that record um yeah. and one of my favorites so i'm gonna go with simple disobedience
1: yeah that that was uh written uh for a project that never took place it was supposed to be a movie kind of like the the um uh like tommy uh you know it was going to have uh, deaf leopard and twisted sister all everybody of that day and the thing that killed the project was um the drummer in Def leopard's accident because they were kind of the uh, they were they were sort of the nexus of the whole project so we wrote that song because it was against some tyrannical leader and stuff like that simple disobedience and uh you know, we wrote it. That was actually one of the first things we did when I met Alice. We we went up to upstate New York, uh, rented a hotel, um, and and got a studio, and we uh, actually recorded. That was one of the very very first songs, maybe within two weeks of meeting him, and uh, the song survived. And and so I, I think in terms of uh, the writing and and the lyrics, once again, I I'd, I'd have to agree with Sydney on this. Yeah.
0: Yeah, no, uh, absolutely. Um, I actually go with not that kind of love. I'm going to deviate here. I just thought it had a little bit better of a chorus and yeah. um, the lyrics. This has this has Alice written all over it. I like you dirty when your hair is a mess. Yeah, that's Alice written all over it, and I love that. Yeah,
2: nobody, nobody else wrote that, but. But Mr.
0: himself. He's the only one. <laughs> I absolutely. I, absolutely. So I'm I'm kind of breaking the, the trends here. I'm going with not that kind of love. Kane, we can't seem to agree on on a, on a constrictor song here. You have all raise your fist and yell, and then you deviate here, and now I'm going back yeah. to, to raise your fist. That's what's great well, about it. Once this. again,
1: it's it's the drug issue. It's I'm very confused.
0: <laughs> no judgment. Uh, no, absolutely. <laughs> so in addition to our show, I listen to a ton of podcasts and I'm at the gym almost every day. So having a tremendous pair of earbuds is extremely important to me. So whether you're working from home or working on your fitness, you want what you're listening to to be what you're listening to. Not what your roommates, neighbors, significant other, or children are listening to. Everyone needs a great pair of wireless earbuds. But before you go dropping hundreds of dollars on a pair, you need to check out the wireless earbuds from Raycon. You already know Raycon earbuds start at about half the price of other premium wireless earbuds on the market, and that they sound just as amazing as other top audio brands that you know. Their newest model, the Everyday E. 25 earbuds are their best ones yet with six hours of playtime seamless Bluetooth pairing more bass and a more compact design that gives you a nice noise isolating fit. Raycon's wireless earbuds are so comfortable perfect for conference calls or binging podcasts. I'll tell you the long battery life and perfect fit has made this a game changer for me in the gym. Unlike some of your other wireless options Raycon earbuds are both stylish and discreet with no dangling wires or stems to distract anyone during video calls. You've heard me talk about how the company was founded by Ray J. And now celebrities like Snoop Dogg, Cardi B, Melissa Etheridge, Brandy, and J.R. Smith are obsessed with Raycons. Pick up a pair and see what all the hype is about. Now's the time to get the latest and greatest from Raycon. So get 15% off your order at buyraycon.com slash that's buyraycon.com/slash/musicmania for 15% off Raycon wireless earbuds. That's buyraycon.com/slash/musicmania. So that this brings us to something that I think is going to be a bit controversial here. I'm just going to go ahead and go out with my pick. It's The World Needs Guts versus Prince of Darkness. Kane, you're going to kill me for this one, but I've got The World Needs Guts. I love this song. It's the first song that was played live on the Nightmare Returns from Constrictor. I just sure. remember those lyrics and I remember that chorus. It was just like, wow, like kind of a gory song, a horror movie song written all over it. Like I love The World Needs Guts. Prince of Darkness is so good, but by a yeah. hair, I've got The World Needs Guts. Sydney, where are you going?
2: I'm going to go The World Needs Guts too. Wow. See? It's, it's just one of those songs that like whenever I hear it, it just gets me like pumped up. It's like, yeah like nobody like nobody can stop me from doing anything It's like one of those songs um and I loved and I'm sure you'll agree kane uh when Alice did this on his he did it i think maybe two years ago um, yeah yeah and Nita strauss uh oh,
1: Nita. Nita just a- always blows my mind yeah she, but she's she's so passionate and so into it yeah no, I agree
2: yeah yeah she,
1: go, go go ahead yeah
2: she kills that uh she killed your part she i remember she posted a video before they even um did it. And she was like, yeah. we're like, doing an 80 song and way the diehards could really, you know, tell the exact part without any of, you know, the other instruments or whatever. Um, and she kills your parts like note for note. So, uh, I know. It, it was cool to see that. Um, and yeah, I'm just gonna have to go with the Rolling these guts. It's just, it's one of my faves.
1: Okay. Yeah. Prince yeah.
0: of darkness is tremendous too. And uh, did, did Kip winger co-write this one?
1: Uh, yeah, well he wrote the harpsichord, uh, part um i think on uh, on gail i'm not sure if i can't remember if he wrote on on prince of darkness but i remember um sitting uh we, we were in somewhere in in, in new york um we've gotten off tour and alice was sitting on a couch eating cheetos and i had you know headphones and i was trying to get the music together and Within 15 minutes, he wrote the lyrics to Prince of Darkness, and if you look at those lyrics, they're absolutely brilliant. And so, uh, and you know, he told me, you know, he thought my solo on that was one of one of uh, his favorites. Um, there's there's certain aspects of that song that I'm actually over the moon about, and certain ones that I, you know I'm not crazy about. And then when I think of uh, the world needs guts, I mean, geez, what what a what a dose of energy that was live! I mean, the, I think. I think that was one of the sort of transitional songs on that first tour, because as the night went on, Alice would become more that character than the guy I was hanging out with on the bus. And I, I'm, I'm being honest, So Sometimes I'd look over at him. See, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't the same guy. So, um, uh, but I'm going to go with, uh, uh, Prince of, Prince of Darkness because, um, yeah, I just think, you know, the song sort of creates a world unto itself, you know, even in that middle interlude before the solo and everything. It, it's it's a perfect kickoff to the trilogy that we put together. So I, I, I like that song a little better.
2: I yeah. love what you have to say about the uh, lyrics and Alice, you know, being such an amazing lyricist, because I've been saying it for years, but his lyrics have always just been like such a solid point in all of his yeah. music. From the very first, you know, album that the Alice Cooper group released, all the way until you know, Paranormal that came out in 2017, his lyrics are, have always just been such a a staple of his music, and um, it's crazy to hear because you know, I, I feel like I've heard this about him as well, like that he it just comes to him so fast. He can he can write these lyrics in like minutes, yeah. just yeah. No, him.
1: I I think sometimes too, if I was sitting with him, I, I you know, I I had a, a a big hand in the lyrics for roses on white lace. But there were often times where I was sitting with him and writing and I felt he'd probably do better if I wasn't sitting here. You know what I mean? So, uh, so yeah, he, he's, he's one of those guys that sort of, uh, it's a shock and awe kind of a thing. you know. When, and, and you know, it, it's really funny. Shep was telling me back in the day, um, they did uh, uh, a show, Alice Cooper did a show at the Whiskey it was a long time ago, and uh, Led, Zeppelin, Led Zeppelin opened for him, and nobody knew who they were. There were less than 200 people there. And Shep said, when Alice went on, the entire club emptied out. Everybody left. And Shep said, if somebody can clear out a club this fast, I think they're going to be famous. <laughs> so he signed them. So it's pretty interesting. Absolutely.
0: Oh, I love it. I love the, the perspective there. Um, that's going to bring us to... Uh, we talked about uh, how the man behind the mask sort of was a heavier version. There's a demo of that available. Uh, you can sure. see it out on YouTube. And become, Trick Bag sort of took on what the the, the skeleton of that song uh, and what it became. And the, that was the original arrangement. So Trick Bag versus Time to Kill. Um, it's pretty simple for me on this. I think Trick Bag is just a little more memorable. Um, I, I, I don't know. It's, it's got another heavy intro with that little shredding part at the start. I love... I'm a shred guitar aficionado, so Kane, you're right in my wheelhouse here. Uh, I just think Trick Bag's a little more memorable. What say you, Sydney?
2: Uh, I'm gonna go with Trick Bag as well.
0: I'm a little
2: constrictor heavy at the moment. A little
1: constrictor heavy there, Sydney. Come on. <laughs>
2: um, but Trick Bag, I just feel like again, kind of like similar to Life and Death of the Party, it just has like a, a chorus that's very memorable, like you said. Yeah. It's very just. It comes to my mind immediately. Um, it's one of the more memorable like choruses I think on Constructor as a whole. Uh, debatable if it's like one of my favorites, but the chorus itself is just very memorable, kind of gets stuck in your yeah. head. So yeah. I think I'm definitely gonna go with Trick Bag. And the
0: solo is amazing. The solo on Trick Bags maybe the best solo on any of the two albums.
1: Oh, geez, thank you, thank you. I don't remember what I played, but thank you.
2: <laughs> it was a <laughs> no, lot of no. mess.
1: Yeah, no. So, um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I you know. Uh, that, uh, that's a tough one for me. I think I'm going to go with Trick Bag. I think I'm good. There's wow. certain aspects of of uh, Time uh, to Kill that I think were a little, you know, one, one, I, I worked a lot with this uh, one script writer named uh, Larry Gross. He wrote uh, 48 Hours and some other big films. And he said, whenever you're creating, you have to keep Mr. Mediocre away. He's always sitting there going, hey, why don't you just do that? And there's a couple of moments there where I listened to that song and I, I wonder if, Mr. Mediocre kind of took over the day a little bit. So, but, uh, you know, I still love the song, still listen to it. It's very powerful. Of course, you know, I'll never say Alice did anything but perform uh, miraculously. So, yeah, but a trick back.
0: Well, that's a unanimous one. And that is going to move us on to one that I don't think is going to be unanimous. Crawlin versus Chop, Chop, Chop. I'll just say Chop, Chop, Chop is sort of a fan favorite. And, uh, one you know, fans always clamor to be played live. Uh, some uh, some people call me the creeper because they don't know my name or face. I always love that lyric, but Crawlin is a little underrated for me. It's just uh, it's just yeah. it, you know I I like it, it has a, lot. a little bit win- of
1: the life and death of the party feel. It does. Feel bit,
0: yeah. It, yeah, that's a good point. Uh, it does have that, and uh, so Crawlin's my winner here. Um, I don't know if anyone's going to agree with me, but I'll will it's a hill I'll die on today, I guess.
2: Uh, I don't know, man. I'm going to have to go with chop, chop, chop. I think. Mm. I think just like we've been talking about, I feel like Razor Fist Meow is more of a heavier record, but the lyrics I feel like of chop, chop, chop are more just like iconic Alice, like the blood splatter and the you know the creepy yeah. type, uh, vibe that he has in that song. Yeah. It's just uh, one of those just iconic like lyrical you know pieces on that record that I feel like kind right. of like Alice Cooper just represents who he kind of was as an artist at that time. Um, mm. So yeah, no, I think I'm gonna go with chop, chop, chop.
1: Yeah. I, I, I will agree with you on that one. Um, you know, one of one of one of the uh, things about that tour, uh, with raise your fist, uh, we got banned in certain areas. They tried to ban us from England. Uh, there were armed, uh, military there, uh, when, um, uh, when we played in Munich, you know, just because if, if Alice slit the girl's throat, the prostitute's throat, <laughs> they were going to stop the show. And, you know, so, um, I, I think I think that song, uh, you know, "Chop Chop Chop," "Engine of Destruction." There, there was a there was a guy that worked with Alice that passed away. His name was Brian, um, and he uh, he was such an Alice Cooper fanatic, and and that song blew his mind, you know, off of of Freedom, you know, and, and I, I know why. It's got it's got a real sort of Alice Cooper, uh, bloody, gory, kind of heavy essence to it, and I think we captured it, um, you know, throughout the whole thing. So yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah chop, uh, chop, chop.
0: that and that that's gonna go I think a lot of people I, I would be in the heavy minority on that and I would uh, I'll, that's yeah n- n- absolutely that's, that's uh, yeah Crawling, crawling
1: is, 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 is in that realm of, of life and death I think a little bit yeah. still a really beautiful song I think it was and Alice Alice has like a sort of romantic side to him I think Sydney uh, will agree so uh, and I think I think he conveys that really well in that song
0: Well, that moves us to Great American Success Story versus Gail. I'll be honest, I think Alice is a very, very underrated ballad writer, and that kind of speaks to what you were just talking about, uh, about the romantic side of Alice. We've heard songs like It's Only My Heart Talking and Only Women Bleed uh, and and so many more. Um, Gail is one that I've never been a huge fan of. Um, I think Great American Success Story follows that 80s great, like, that chorus back to school. I uh, got, I also love the lyric. This is Alice again. I got an A in the study of female anatomy. He's staring at her legs, but he's thinking about her face. Yeah. That is classic. And, uh, this is like a summer day with the windows down, sing along great American success, great American success story is yeah. going to take it for me.
2: Um, I think I'm going to go with Gail and I think I'm going to go with Gail because I've always loved in Alice's work that he has like, just created characters throughout the entirety of his career. Yeah, Old Ethel, Stephen. He's he's always just been kind of creating characters and stories behind them. And uh, like you said, Clint, he's just a very underestimated and underrated ballad writer. I'm saying this for years. He is he can write ballads. I think he's one of the best, probably in the like classic original artists of the '70s and whatnot. He, you know, you look at albums like From the Inside, which is my favorite. The ballads on that record. Um, and I probably will always lean towards his ballads the most, although I love his heavier tracks, but, uh, yeah, i gonna have to go with Gail.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, Gail for me as well. You know, it, it was one of those things too, while we were writing, Alice and I were imagining sort of what would happen on stage, you know, the drama that would happen around it. So, uh, yeah. And I thought Kip, you know, played and wrote an incredible, um, Keyboard part, so yeah, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say Gail.
0: Yeah, a lot of people, you know, know of course that Kip Winger was, uh you know, in the band at this time from '86 '87 before forming yeah. Winger. How, so I we touched on it a little bit earlier, but how how much did did Kip write on on these two? I know you we'd mentioned one earlier, so well, well,
1: yeah, no, it, it wasn't it wasn't that much, you know, w- w- not not for any. Uh, you know, critical or aesthetic reason. It, you know, um, Alice and I on while we were on tour uh, would would actually go to studios in different cities and and write and record the song. So sort of the scheduling of that, you know. So he he and I were attached it to him, you know, constantly. So it, it sort of it didn't x people out like you know I want I don't want to write with him or whatever. It just it just happened that way. Um, the, the thing the thing about it too is. You know, everybody in the band For Freedom influenced the writing. They, they influenced the approach because there wasn't anything that I could play or demand of them that they couldn't do, and, you know, far beyond that. So, I mean, if you listen to, for example, a song that's coming up, I'm sure is, is Roses on White Lace. You listen to the drums on that, um, there's one section there, although it ended up being flanged, so you can't really make it out. But uh, Ken Mary and I play 64th notes on this run, and we do it exactly. And it, it was literally, I think, one or two takes. We got it so tight. So, um, and, and you know, when you have that sort of ability to, to, to write and have the band play it that way, and you, you spend, you know, night after night playing with them, you know, they, you know, I have to say, they have a hand in all the songs. Uh, but in terms of actual writing, I think, I think that was pretty much it for Kip.
0: Well, this leads us to, to me, one of the more difficult comparisons I'll ever have to do, not just songs or on an album, but in my life at all. Because uh, we've got He's Back, The Man Behind the Mask versus Roses on White Lace. And this is going to go against every conventional wisdom I have because um, He's Back is one of my earliest memories of hard rock music. Um, I used to watch the movie Jason Lives all the time. I have a Jason tattoo. Yeah. Uh, Oh, awesome. Awesome. I, I won't show it to you. It's kind of far down here. And the, the, yeah. the shirt gives you all you need to know. Um, yeah. but it's, it, this song may be solely reso- This song might be solely responsible for my kind of dive into rock journalism. It's sort of planted the seeds for, for everything that, um, kind of came after it for me. So I love that. That being said roses on white lace is just killer. It's a top five Alice song for me. The intro and guitar arrangement is, it's just brutal. Um, this one's a top five Alice Cooper song for me. I go with Roses on White Lace, which is very difficult to do because, again, He's Back is such an influence on me, and I'm a huge fan of the song as well. But, Sydney, I, I think you're going to go the other way here if I had to guess. Just predicting. Me too. Yeah. I'm wow. Go
2: back because, I don't know, just, like I said, I heard that song, and it, it's definitely – that's in my top five favorite Alice songs. Um, like, I remember the first time I heard that, and the, uh, the guitar part going into, like, the last chorus – was just so memorable and catchy to me. And just that entire song was just, um, just like, I don't know, just solidified the uh, Alice, like 80s album journey. Sure. Kind of thing. Um, so I'm gonna go with He's Back, top five for me, but Roses on White Lace is just so, it's so good. It's really hard to have to pick one over the other. Yeah. Uh, I love the metaphor, blood drops look like roses on White Lace, that's like, who thought of that? It's like-
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah who, who thought of that?
2: I would have never thought of that. Probably you know Alice Cooper, um, but it's yeah. I'm gonna have to go with *He's Back* just because it has such a really special place in my heart.
1: Yeah, I, that was actually my uh, idea for that, those lyrics. I mean, uh, you know, ninety-nine point nine percent of all the genius was was Alice, but <laughs> I got to sneak in that line on one song. So um, yeah, I'm I'm gonna go with uh, uh, I'm gonna go with with *Roses* um, because it just it just sort of represented a lot about that album that's why we had the prince of darkness uh gale chop 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 and those songs were they sort of lined up um you know because uh it it, it felt like um you know we were going to create this you know like i said before a uh, true culture of violence on stage so uh yeah i'm i'm going to go go with that song and and it also was you know kind of indicative of how off the chain the band was i mean you know if you if you listen to it there's a lot of progressive uh, music in it too as well so uh, i'm going to go with that and, and you know i totally understand what you're saying sydney because that's the uh he's back has has a kind of a, an amazing chorus it's like uplifting and you know so um so yeah but I, you know roses for me definitely
0: yeah, Sydney made a great point about the guitar solo on he's back that you can, I can not, I mean, guitar solos are memorable for different reasons, but there's very few that you can actually just like think of off the top of your head and just think about the, and how you it can goes. hear it almost yeah, sing along it with here. it. The he's back yeah. does have that. This one was so hard for me guys. This was all very difficult because I'm such a fan of both of these albums. So Kane, his uh, his winner here is um, raise your fist and yell. Sydney and I, by the thinnest of margins, have Constrictor. It's all a matter of yep. personal taste. It's been so, th- but the real question is, Sydney and I have for you here. We've talked about this the last time she was on the yes. podcast. Yes. Hard Rock Summer does not yeah. appear on either album, and it should. And it's a it's a crime against humanity that it's not on. Why why where's Hard Rock Summer? It's one of my favorite uh, well, songs. decade. we wrote that
1: for a movie. Um, I c- can't remember the uh, Back to School. Yeah. It was with uh, Roddy Dangerfield. Um, and uh, yeah, that, that was what the song was written for. And I, I don't know if it made it to the film. Well, I, you know, it's really funny. If you listen to the rhythm section, if you listen to the guitar and the performances and, and even the ly- lyrics, you know, rock and roll, vagabond and all that stuff. I thought it was an amazing song. I, I just, it just, you know, got, didn't get picked up for any of the records. That That's all that happened. So. It's just sitting out there somewhere on YouTube, I think, at this point.
0: Yeah, it was on the Life and Crimes of Alice Cooper box set. uh, I believe in 1999 it was released, but it is on YouTube. Oh, yeah. It's just, to me, a song that it should have found its way onto one of the two albums, especially since... I
1: think think it appears on Jason on the radio. You know, I think uh, that that movie. Yeah, Yeah. I think think it's on the radio when they're, they're riding their car, like, you know, trying to get away from somebody or something. Yeah. yeah,
0: yeah, it is on there. Thank goodness it is uh, at least available for us to enjoy now. But, guys, I'll tell you what, this has been an absolute blast. Thanks to Kane. We've had you on our show two other times before, and this this is, uh, we want to do kind of something special this time. Sydney, you're. Oh, yeah tremendous as always my you know you i'm so glad we've been able to partner up and have a lot of fun here talking some i don't think we've talked about any band but alice cooper in like the two hours we've spoken on zoom that
2: seems to just be the
0: theme with me i okay. <laughs> I'm me glad friends.
1: I finally got to meet sydney Jeez, we've been uh, talking back and forth yeah
0: well now Definitely. kane you have you have zoom capabilities now we forced you into this so now yeah. you can do interviews this way it's it's kind of cool right yeah,
1: I'm not good at it, obviously, but yeah, I'll figure it
0: out. Yeah. A, well, guys, it's been a blast. Thank you so much, uh, Constrictor. Yeah, thank you. Constrictor wins by a votes of two to one. Sorry, Kane, we've we've outvoted you here. I know like I got you,
1: voted out. I can't <laughs>
0: believe it. Although you played <laughs> on the albums. Yeah, he, you got voted off your own records. It's okay, no problem. Hey, guys, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. We'll have Thanks. to do it again sometime, again, and and uh, we appreciate it. Kane, take it easy, stay safe, and stay healthy, my friend Sydney. You do the same. We'll catch up again soon. Awesome. All right.
1: All right man thank
0: thank you guys